0: All right, we'll go ahead and just uh, pray one more time, and we'll jump into it here. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we do just thank you for the opportunity just to come together as a church family, a church body, and uh, seek you together, worship you together, hear from you together. And God, I just pray that you would speak through some of these verses we're going to look at here, speak to us through your Spirit. Help us, Lord, to grow and be your disciples, and being ones who love you and obey you and trust you fully. We just want to grow as your disciples. We want to grow in in making disciples as we grow in, in being your disciples. And so we ask for your help in all this. We thank you again for this day, for being with us. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, so, I'm going to start you guys off with a question that we were given at our, our leadership time here. This is uh, sometimes you may wonder, like, oh, these guys seem to have a lot of meetings or a lot of retreats, or sometimes I feel that way. Maybe that's just me. But um, uh, there, when we come together, we, we have some things, you know, seeking God together and. Sometimes in this case, John Meyer, who helped facilitate, uh, he's a regional guy, he helped facilitate our time, Pat Sokol was there as well, but John said to the pastors and the leaders who were there, here's, I've got a special assignment for you. And so he threw this out to us as pastors and leaders, and you might just try to translate this into your own world, maybe as parents, or maybe um, as being a part of the church, that this assignment has been given to your pastors and leaders here, but I'm going to read to you the assignment. I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts. I'm going to invite Drew up here to share some of the thoughts he had from this, and uh, we're going to look at a couple verses, and really that'll be our time together here. But I'll read the assignment to you here, and you, you don't have to write it all down. You can just think about it or write down some key phrases here, because the assignment is it's two paragraphs here, so I don't want the kids to... Having to dry, write too fast here, but but you can listen and write it on the tablet of your heart. But here's the special assignment. It says this special assignment. Should you choose to accept it, um, over the next five years, you are responsible to develop a special group of individuals, starting with some or all the people in your church. You can use any means possible and ask them anything you think is necessary for success. All that matters is the outcome at the end of five years, at which time your team will be given a mission involving extreme loss and danger. What you are asked to produce is a special... Is that background music? (laughs) What you are asked to produce is a special commando team of people who have lost their love, For this world and their vulnerability to the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things that come from our culture. They must be convinced of the truth of the Bible and the reality of Jehovah God over the world. Their affections must be set on loving Him and serving His purposes in the world in light of His goodness, His love and His coming judgment and kingdom. They must be experiencing a relationship with God that has become their dearest treasure. They must have the character necessary to live a sacrificial life in serving others and to receive frequent suffering for following God. If you succeed in this assignment, your team will have what they need to accomplish the mission successfully. As a result, you and your team will be richly rewarded for all eternity. If you fail, your team will be overcome during the mission. The result will be that your team will suffer tragic loss to their soul and to all they hold dear. Will you accept the assignment? How are you going to accomplish it? So we were given this assignment. This was our question as pastors and leaders. And then they sent us off to go pray and see God and, and, and come up. They gave us, I think, 30, 45 minutes, something like that, to come up with a game plan for preparing a special commando team of people. And so we went, and, and each person was just on their own and wrote down their own thoughts, and every one of the whole the entire group had different thoughts. There was overlap, but a lot of unique things. But i got a question for you. When you think about... Um, this special commando team of people. What is one word that represents that special commando team of people? One word from the Bible or from the New Testament that might come to mind as you think about this assignment. Anyone got a word? Say it nice and loud. Nice and loud. Disciples. Disciples was the word they were getting at. And in some ways um, I think you and I can be so familiar with Being a disciple, we've heard about it for years. We're supposed to make disciples, be disciples. It's a buzzword right now in Christian uh, books and, and writing the gospel and discipleship there. I think we can be so familiar with it, but the idea of the exercise that we went through was to kind of shock you a little bit, shock us as pastors, shock us maybe in how we go about church, why we do what we do, but the end product is to be developing a team, special commando people who, who do some of these things that are talked about here, but really they're just called disciples. And I think that the goal of this exercise was to kind of shake us out of any ruts that we have in thinking about this. And, and I'm still wrestling with it. I'm still reeling from this time. We're, we'll, we'll talk about this more even Wednesday night. Um, but as, as you know, each one of us shared, I was encouraged and challenged by some of Drew's thoughts. You know, if he was given this assignment... Uh, He had some things that he shared there that that I asked if he would share here, Um, and then uh, I'm going to invite him up to share for a few minutes here, and then we'll continue from there. But uh, why don't you guys welcome Drew up here, and then we'll keep going.
1: All right. Well, I was trying to figure out, you know, they asked all of us, but, you know, Rich is here, and I was trying to figure out, well, do we let... In this scenario, do I just let him figure it out or join in with him or ask him to join with me? So I couldn't, couldn't decide. To, so to make it easier, I just pretended him and his family got eaten by mountain lions. So It's <laughs> like, okay, it's on me. It's on me now. Um, but yeah, this is a a tough, tough assignment. And um, honestly, I'm a little hesitant to, to share what I had come up with because... It's, it's challenging, and I'm still wrestling through, you know, if this is what it means, then why aren't I doing it? Um, but five years to get us ready for this, this mission, so I, you know, we had 20 minutes about to, to write this down, but here's some of the thoughts that I had was, you know, number one, we have to know the, what the mission is, what the expectation is, um, and what the stakes are. You know, he said, incredible loss, uh, at the end of five years, when we go through this challenge, and if we fail, um, so I think that that's key uh, to get everyone on board and on the same page. Uh, but then I thought, well, how do we, if this is really the most important thing, how do we orient ourselves in a way where we can make sure uh, we're ready for this this challenge? Um, so it's was thinking through distractions and and what's the best way to to do it, and and what I thought would be key, would be getting all together. So my idea was everyone sells their houses and their possessions and we go buy a something, a training ground basically where we can live and hang out together um, and get ready for this mission. Um, And I think the two things we'd have to keep in mind is number one, there's there's an end in sight, right? This isn't a long time thing, it's five years. And the stakes are so high that we need to make sure we're ready. And, And I think five years is not a long time when you're thinking about that. So um, keep that in mind and then keep that reward in mind that we've, we'd be rewarded richly uh, at the end of that five years. So what's selling a house and, and giving up five years of, of this if you've got a million, two million bucks sitting on the other side for each of us? So um, obviously this is in theory and we're not going to get millions of dollars, but um, <laughs> but what what... No, promises. no yeah. <laughs> um, But what do we need to make sure we're doing during these five years that we're ready? Um, and so I had, I had uh, five points here that, that just came up with to, to make sure we're ready. The first one would be daily prayer meetings, morning and evening. So we'd just get up before work and, and we'd all pray together. Um, and every evening we'd all pray together again daily Bible study, so we'd all be studying the Bible. One of the keys to passing this assignment is having our faith and, and trust and hope in God, and how do we know that without knowing his words? How do we know what his promises are without studying those? So that would be be critical um, to to study the Bible, and then walking it out during the day, right? We, we don't just read it. We don't just learn it. We need to practice it for when this this challenge comes at the end of the five years. Um, number three is regular hardship scenarios. So um, similar to how the Army trains you know, their guys to get ready for battle, uh, to put them in scenarios. Um, I came up with some uh, a month with beans and rice. Um, it's not that we can afford it. We need to practice getting ready for whatever this challenge is going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, hard labor, see if we can, can get our bodies used to Getting ready for the the challenge, um, a and then number four was a, a week or month long mission trip with all our families. You know, let's uh, let's go walk this out. Let's let's play out a scenario what what might be um, the challenge. So let's all load up our kids and drive down to to Honduras or something and and spend a a week or a month uh, just helping, working and, and sharing the gospel and, and sharing our lives t- together. And then. Uh, the last one I had was just a daily proclamation of God. Um, part of part of the assignment was we'd be receiving ridicule and persecution, um, so let's let's practice that um, and and share what we're doing, what what God's doing in our lives, and um, every day at work or going out, we can just tell people what we're doing and tell tell them about God and uh, tell them about you know the reward that we're doing, and then come back share dinner together and kind of uh, celebrate yeah hey this person uh, responded and was maybe wants to come join us or or was excited about it or this person was laughed at me and called me names and we rejoice in that together right it's oh that's awesome I'm glad that person said that to you that's going to be just like we're going to have to walk through in five years so now you're you're ready for it Um, so those were the five five things I had and like I said that's Challenging for me um, because God might be calling calling me to some of those things, uh, anyways. Even though we're not in this five-year training plan, He's got a mission for us, so that's what I. That's
0: good. I was uh, in, in some of the stuff Drew shared on his. I was most challenged by the idea of introducing deliberate hardship into your life. You know, we don't have to eat rice and beans. Uh, we don't have to turn our phones off or the internet off or whatever it is. Um, but to do that, because that's—it seems like what a disciple was called to. You know, we we have discipleship, whatever that means to us, is translated into our modern day and all our modern luxuries and our modern comforts, and that idea of you know doing some things that are that you don't have to do. Um, But, you know, the idea of five years, why five years? Well, it was thrown out in our discussion that our culture, obviously we know there's things going on in our country that are changing and accelerating rapidly. Some of the change that happened even over the last four or eight years was unbelievable compared to the history of our nation. And the idea was within five years it is highly possible that some of these things in our culture towards Christianity slide further away and that we would face some challenges uh, for our faith, challenges maybe even in trying to assemble together things like this. And, and I, I think the idea of just throwing a time at it just makes it become a little more uncomfortable, but yet a little more real. Because you and I can be like, "Yeah, you know, it might not get hard for the rest of our life. Hadn't been hard this far, you know, such so far, but." putting a timetable on it, we don't know what's going to happen in five years. One of the things John Meyer shared as we were there, he talked about other nations that went from zero to 100 in short periods of time. He started with um, what happened in uh, in Russia, I think, with Stalin and how things went from the entire nation was basically orthodox to within 10 years, you pretty much could not find a Bible or believing in God or things like that. It was almost snuffed out in... Uh, in Germany from 1935 to 1945, the nation went from Hitler was coming to the scene and doing things to 10 years later, the country was decimated because of what happened. And the Christian voice had almost all but been snuffed out. He talked about China, uh, I think the, from 45 to 55, where, before communism hit the scene, and what happened after communism. And his point was change is happening right now in the United States, and we don't know. Do we have five years before life as a disciple has got to look very different? Do we have ten years? We don't know. One of the questions I wrestled with was, well, what if nothing happens in five years or nothing happens in ten years? Am I only doing this in case something happens? Or was Jesus called for us to live different lives, a way of life, not just because of the challenges that we could incur. The reality is the two of those might collide. Jesus did call His disciples to something we have never had to experience some of these things in our nation, and these two could collide, that our nation might introduce some great challenges for truly following Jesus that we have never seen before. And, and so these are just to, to help us think and prepare and see if there's things we need to do differently or things that we're doing that we've never really tied that into being a disciple who loves and obeys and trusts Jesus more fully. And so these are some things we're going to be thinking about. I'm going to share with you just two, 2 uh, I'd say two verses, but I'm going to share the surrounding verses with them that I've been wrestling with ever since Faith Walkers. And, and it, into this time of this pastor's retreat, I just wrestled with them all the more. And, and we're just going to look at those together and, and share some thoughts related to, to being a disciple and what that means, what that might mean for us. Um, and so... This first verse, or this first passage, I'm just going to read this, I'm going to read the whole passage, and the verse we're going to focus on is this familiar one, Matthew four nineteen. but I'm going to read kind of the surrounding area here to get the idea. You know, when it comes to making this special commando team of people, you know, the goal is not to be elitist, not to leave people out, the goal is to kind of do what Jesus did. Jesus invited everybody he threw it out to a lot of people a lot of people followed him at different times there were large groups but then eventually people decided uh yeah i don't want in on that i don't want to be a special commando i don't want to do the things that are necessary to follow this guy and a lot of them stopped following him but i think as we approach it at you know on behalf of the church i kind of go you know we kind of got to invite everybody the many were invited few few, were chosen, few chose in and of themselves to follow that route, but we're not trying to make some elite group, and yet Jesus did make an elite group based on availability, based on drawing a sand in the line of people who would or wouldn't step across that, and, and I think that's the idea that we're going to see here with his initial call to make disciples, but we'll just read this together. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along. Um, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and left their father and followed him. So we're just going to really focus on this one verse, but the context is uh, the calling of the first disciples. And a few things you just want to look at here is what maybe the incentive might have been for these disciples. He said, come follow me, and there's a couple things I'm going to do for you here. Um, the, first, the first part of the come follow me, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. But the, the part I want to highlight is that Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, I want to let you know something. If you follow me, I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to transform you. And in following Jesus, we'll transform. Nobody nobody was left the same as Jesus found them when they responded. You know, I love the one when he calls uh, calls Matthew. It says, Matthew was sitting at a tax booth, and he called him, and he said he, he got up and took off and followed Jesus. His life was turned upside down, right side up, if you will. But if you choose to follow Jesus, He's going to change you. He's going to change you into a different person. And and maybe you, you've heard this before, maybe you know that, but I've just been reminded that Jesus wants to change me. He wants to still transform me. Now, what He wants to transform me, and He tied it directly to something else. He says, um, I'll make you fishers of men. And I love how this is phrased in... Uh, in the living Bible, here. This is uh, one I, when I left my job at Hewlett Packard years ago, and they, they, my church asked if I'd go on staff with them, and I had to go ask people for individual monthly gifts to make my salary up, and, and I had to share what God was doing, you know, with literally hundreds of people. This is a verse that I took with me and I, I gave to everyone, and um, I felt like it represented my life. But Jesus said, Come along with me, and I will show you how to fish for the souls of men. He'll transform us into fishers of men. And um, really, I, I think the heart of that, that that I've been reminded of here is that He wants to get... They were fishing. And, and He said, Hey, you're doing fishing in the here and now on planet Earth and provide for your physical needs, your material, whatever. And, and I want to teach you how to do something that has to do with the eternal. It's going to last forever. One day, you know fish are going to die away or the water is going to dry up or something, but I want to teach you how to fish for something that will be forever. And he taught them how to fish for the souls of men. And, and there's something there that's just, uh, obviously it's orders of magnitude different than whatever we're doing in our today-to-day lives. If it does not touch on what will last forever, it, you know, it's going to... You know, it's just a drop in the bucket compared to the ocean of eternity. And sometimes I think we can translate, hey, Jesus just wants me to be better at what I'm doing in the here and now. He just wants me to be a better fisher of the fish. You know, I think he does want us to do that. But he taught them how to fish for something that was a part of eternity. A lot of people can be better at doing what they're doing without ever touching on the souls of men and women around them, much less winning those souls to their Savior. And sometimes I think we've translated, well, Jesus must have meant this. Be better at fishing. Be better at tax collecting. Be better with the IRS. The call that I read about, I don't think He wanted people just to be better at that. I think He wanted them to go, you guys, we're talking about the temporary here and now, and there's something that's going to last forever that I want to teach you how to fish for that. And I need to be reminded of that. Even as a pastor, you know, um, there, there's things that I... There's just odds and ends and things you have to do to run a church. And you've got to send out emails. You've got to organize meetings. You've got to do all this. But you think if anybody would be fishing for the souls of men and trying to hook hearts for eternity, it would be a pastor. And yet I, I need to be reminded of that. And I have been wrestling with that. But there's something of eternal significance that we need to catch if we're going to follow Jesus. Now, once they did start following Him... Um, and their response was immediate. And, and we can talk about you know if they knew him already or not. But the thing that that I'm reminded of again is that... So he called them. They started following him. He said he went teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel to people. And then he started healing. He started casting out demons, you know. Um, could you just imagine tagging along with this guy and people, crowds are coming up to him and, and, and demons are shrieking like, there's the Holy One and, and you're hanging out with Jesus... The hair on my arms and neck just starts to rise thinking about it. Could you imagine being there and casting out demons or he touches someone's hand and, and it goes from just an arm that maybe just has a nub and, and it extends and fingers start stretching out and, and you're right there and you see it all happen. Can you imagine that? Sometimes I have a hard time just imagining it or I can imagine that and I go, oh, that would be amazing and that could never happen now. You know, that would have been cool back then. And and sometimes as pastors, we have to tell people, you know, following Jesus is an adventure. And we'll tell you something adventurous. And and then you kind of take those emotions and try to apply that to how we follow Jesus as we walk out of here. And there's a real disconnect in my heart. It's like, yeah, that would be exciting. And now let's get back to the Monday morning blues or whatever we have. Um, But I don't think that... I think that following Jesus is... It's designed to be an adventure. The reality is, why then are... Many of us, myself included, why are we not experiencing that? I, I, I'm not casting out demons. I'm not seeing things healed. I mean, I wonder if sometimes we do a, a, one of two things. One, we try to translate the adventure into something else. We try to find adventure in the world. You know what's exciting? The latest, loudest Star Wars movie. That was awesome, you know. We find adventure there. We find adventure doing our favorite hobby or our favorite distraction. And the, the adventure is I go to church and I get to do all these cool things I love. But if we're not finding adventure in in fishing and catching souls, we're going to look for finding it somewhere else, or we're just going to give up on adventure altogether. But I don't think that's what Jesus has for us. But He led them on this adventure. Uh, Chapter 4 of Matthew, they take off running here. Now it's interesting, I think about chapter 16 is the other place we're going to look here. Uh, Eventually they're tagging along with Jesus, and He's teaching, and He's doing all the things, but... But all they had to do to start with was to follow him. They said, follow me, I'm going to transform you into a fisher of the souls of men. But later on he kind of teaches them, you know, by the way, to follow me, there's a few other prerequisites. If you want to be a part of a special commando team of following me, um, there's a few things you're going to have to think about here. And these are challenging. I want the adventure, I want to follow Jesus and life just becomes an adventure. But Jesus said, by the way... Before you can follow me, here's a few steps you're going to have to take. Here's a few things that could debunk you before you even get started following. Things that can derail you before you even get on the track of following me. And he says this, um, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. This is the New Living here, other translations say you must deny yourself. You want to follow me? First, you're going to have to deny yourself, your flesh, your selfishness really everything that represents you in the physical here and now, the desires that are just all you know is this, you're going to have to deny that because I'm going to take you on an eternal adventure here. Um, and then he goes on to say, and then you're going to have to take up your cross. And then uh, the last one there, and, and, and then follow me, you know. And so the thing I've been wrestling with is I want the adventure. I want to, Jesus says, follow me. I say, I'm in. But then he says, okay, Let's let's start examining your flesh, examining yourself. Each one of us has a flesh that loves this world. It has no thought of eternity because our flesh is a, a mortal coil that will be shuffled off if you use Shakespeare's words, but our flesh is not going to make it to the other side. And yet our flesh, all the signals and all the stimuli that it gives us are all about the here and the now. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to shut that off and say I'm not responding to that. I'm not following that because I want to follow Jesus. Um, and so we have to overcome the barrier of ourselves. Another thing we have to do, take, take up your cross. I really believe that speaks to um, you have to die to the approval of this world. This world hated Jesus. His cross brought about the salvation of all mankind. And they heaped abuse and insults on him. And he says, and you're going to have to take up your cross. Now our cross isn't about dying for anyone, but our cross is taking the message of his death and that good news and taking it to the world. And yet he said, they're going to have the same response. They hated me, they're going to hate you. You tell them what I accomplished on the cross, how I died for their sins, they're going to get angry at you for saying, how dare you say I've sinned? How dare you call me a sinner who needs a Savior? But you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. And and then he says, and then follow me. Follow me, don't follow yourself, don't follow the world, don't follow the devil. Now it's time to follow me. And it's interesting, you know, one of the guys I've been thinking about in all of this is Peter. Peter was one of the very first guys that responded to Jesus' call to follow him. And he began following him, and he saw miracles, and he saw things. He walked on water when he was following Jesus. But then we know the story about later he... Um, he denied Christ, and, and Jesus had to come back and kind of reinstate Peter. But I thought it's interesting. He he started Peter back on the adventure and on the journey again by saying simply, after all of that, after all the history that he had, today, Peter, follow me. And you're going to die this way as you follow me, but, but follow me. And he did. And sometimes I, I think... It, I can approach it like it's a one-time call. I responded when I was back in, in my single days on college campus to follow Jesus, and I did it once, and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And yet, I've been trying to have the adventure, and, and I've, the older I get, the more I don't like denying myself, the more I don't like denying my flesh, the more I don't like fasting from food or other comforts that I love more and more. Um, yet I still want the adventure of following Jesus. And I don't like disapproval from the world. I don't like people think, thinking I'm irrelevant or I'm ignorant or I'm dangerous or intolerant. I don't like that. And yet I want the adventure of following Jesus. I want the title of being His disciple. And I feel like God's just been working on me with, uh, Rich, do you want to follow me? Do you want to follow me again? Or do you want to follow me today? Um, Luke nine twenty three adds a little word in there that's good for us to consider but he says if anyone would come after me he must deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me and so I've just been thinking about being a disciple making this special commando group of people and just thinking about myself am I even a disciple we're supposed to make disciples but I'm a pastor I've been a pastor for over 16 years now and sometimes I wonder if being a disciple, really being a disciple like Jesus defines it is not going as well for me as I think it is. And sometimes I wonder, one of the things we read a book at this conference that we went to but they threw out the idea that maybe it's not going as well for evangelical churches as they think it is. We think we're making disciples and yet it's kind of being done without people denying their flesh, without people being caught up in the worries of this world without people taking up a cross that's directly tied to the gospel daily. Um, and, and so I've been wrestling with this, and yet I come to the conclusion, if Jesus were to say, Rich, follow me today, I'd say, yes, I'm in. And i got to start with my flesh, and i got to start saying no to my flesh, and i got to start figuring out how to, how to get my cross and get the gospel out there, even if people are going to mock me, make fun of me, think I'm irrelevant, ignorant, more and more, to think we are dangerous and intolerant, and and I'm wrestling with this, and I'm working on this. But you know, the thing that I, I wonder about is if me, as as a pastor of our church, is wrestling with this uh, and wondering if I need to get back to the basics of following Jesus. Is that something you've been wrestling with at all? And if you haven't been wrestling with it, should you be wrestling with it? Um, you know, and if Jesus asks you. Would you follow me today? Would you deny yourself, take up your cross today? And would you follow me today? What would you say? Now, my hope is all of us would say yes. But, you know, there's. I think it's easier to say yes than it is to do the things that he said are going to have to happen here. And um, So anyways, uh, you know, we're going to segue into some things that we're imply. So he said, follow me. And I think, follow me again. Follow me today. That's the question. Do you want to follow me today, Jesus is asking us. And I say yes, and I believe you say yes. And yet, things might have to change with how we followed Jesus yesterday. Things that we said, I was your disciple yesterday, but if you look through the list of things that might not have overlapped with denying self or flesh, things that might not have overlapped from being disconnected from this world, not loving this world... Some things might have to change. In my own life, I know that. And one of the things we're going to be doing here on Wednesday nights, you know, we're meeting all together last Wednesday, this Wednesday, but really we're going to come together and it's going to be a meeting for anyone who wants to be a part of a team of special commando people who want to follow Jesus, who want to love Him, trust Him, obey Him fully. We're going to meet together. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask for help and we're going to talk about how can we do that. And you're all invited to Wednesday night and you don't have to go. You might not want to go after hearing what we're talking about here, but I bet you do. And so you're invited. We're going to begin meeting together on this. And we're going to begin trying to make that group of disciples kind of the way Jesus wanted them and and defined it. And we might have to start by admitting how we're falling short of that. You might have to admit that. I'm going to have to admit that. We admit that together so that we can then start following him from wherever we're really at. But I think that's what he has for us. I think that's what he wants. I'm excited about that. Um, and so, again, I want to invite you to join us this Wednesday night. We'll probably meet together again next Wednesday night. When we come together on Sundays, we're going to do some things that might push our flesh a little bit, like pray. You know, it's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes as a pastor, I can get the most feedback when... I call a church to pray, whether it's here or the Highlands. Some people will be like, "That's awkward. Why are we praying at church? Why are we praying?" You don't, even, you know. Um, and it may be awkward. We're we're going to eat awkward for breakfast this year, guys. And that might be one of the ways we do it: praying in church together. And. Um, But anyways, the other thing we're going to do, just a last kind of announcement here. So there's meeting again this Wednesday night. The other thing we talked about, we're going to start a series here just using the one-year Bible. You know, I think if we made a checklist of all the things that would be true of a disciple, one of those things would, the question would be this. Do you, as a disciple of Jesus, read your Bible daily? And I'm afraid to say that the number of people in our church here in the Highlands... That would not be able to check yes on that would be a lot higher than we'd like to admit and yet all of us would say i'm a disciple of jesus i just you know take up my cross daily i don't even read my bible daily um but i think god wants to help us change that because his word is going to fuel this his word is going to help us see eternity when nothing else in this world is going to be talking about eternity his word is going to fuel our relationship with him so that we can have a a loving relationship—not do this because we have to, because some sort of legalism, but because we have a relationship, a loving relationship with our Savior, and we want to please Him. And we know that we don't have to; that all our sin has been paid. We don't have to do another thing. And and yet, what sort of a lover would would not want to, just out of gratitude? And I, I know God wants to re-cultivate that, reignite that in me, and, and hopefully in you. But we're gonna—anyone who wants a Bible, we're gonna give those out here when we're done. Um, and again, uh, I've got some more. We've got twenty new living Bibles here. We also, I've got some NIV nineteen eighty four uh, authorized Holy Bibles. Um, no, we've got some of those coming. Uh, they're on order right now, so there's some of those should be showing up at my house this week. The NLT I've been reading for years. It's a great one, just to to really understand. Sometimes I think we think we need to know Hebrew or Greek, but a lot of times we just read it in plain English. We have more to do in. Just with the English version than we are currently doing. We don't need Greek or Hebrew to give us more things to do that we don't think we understand. But, anyways, um, we're going to do this series. And and each week, here's another way we're going to exercise faith when you come to church. And we're going to read the One Year Bible throughout the week. It's an easy thing to do because all you have to do is find the date. And whatever day it is, you just turn there. And it's got a section from the Old Testament, a section from the New Testament, some Psalms, and some Proverbs. And you want to get wild and crazy, it might take you 15 minutes to read all of them. Uh, if you don't have time for that, you might just read the psalm for that day. Take you 50 50 seconds, maybe. Or the New Testament. Or, or something. Read something. God wants to speak to you through His Word. and um, You know, you don't have to get caught up with what well, I missed yesterday. One of the beautiful things about the one-year Bible is all you have to do is know what today's date is. And if you don't know what it is, you know, Probably just gonna have a rough day, anyways. But um, uh, all I got to do is start reading that day. And if you read the whole thing, I know I was hearing some of the teens group talking about they want to get through the whole Bible in a year. If you read just fifteen to twenty minutes a day, you'll get through the entire Bible in a year. But if you don't, that's okay. We don't. We're not gonna give any awards if someone gets through the Bible in a year. But you will be rewarded by just reading something in the Bible every day. And so if you don't like the one year Bible or something, that's fine. If you're electronic. There is OneYearBible.com. All you got to do is get on OneYearBible.com. Click on the day. You can pick from 100 translations if the NLT is not your favorite or the NIV 84 is not your favorite. A lot of translations. You can pick another favorite language if you prefer. Um, but you can just read online. And um, we also have the Faith Walker's Journal. is something that a great commission church has put out. There's a daily devotional thoughts. I can get you on the email list. They send you this daily devotional. At the bottom of it is a link. Click on the one in your Bible. Again, if you're of the electronic variety here. But one. the other thing that we're going to do is just encourage you to read. Whatever you read, write a verse down. Just write a verse down that speaks to you. Write a verse down that you can think on during the day. And, and just write it down and then maybe share it with someone else. Um, but what we're going to do when we come back to church on Sundays is we're going to have some time, maybe before we release the kids, maybe after. But we're going to ask everyone here just to turn to the person next to them and share one of your favorite Verses that you read from the previous week, and um, and I think it's going to take some faith, and I think it's going to be encouraging, and I think it's going to help us to follow Jesus because we're going to be like, oh, I didn't realize He didn't want me doing that, or He does want me doing that. But I think it's going to be really encouraging. But to show up here, things might get a little crazy. We might actually have to pray a little bit for someone. You might actually have to share a verse. Um, But I think it's going to be exciting. Each week as pastors, we're going to take turns having people share. Uh, I think Drew's going to share one week. I know Greg's coming down a week. Brad's coming down a week. I know we can get Dennis in on the mix here as well. But what we're going to do that week is just share with you a couple verses we read that week from the one-year Bible. Not in Greek or Hebrew, but just maybe in the paper copy there. Um, But I think God's going to use use it for good and help us to follow Him better. And uh, I hope you're up for that again we're going to give give you a bible if you promise to read it as best as you can i mean our hope is you read it every day but honestly if you just give it a good effort uh i think the rest is details you'll enjoy it you'll be blessed your life will change but anyways i'm going to go ahead and pray just to close our time here and uh, one question maybe i just throw out to you uh, i don't know about you but i i'm I'm excited. I have a sense that God wants to do something, churn something up that maybe hasn't happened in me in a while and maybe in us. But quick show of hands. How many of you are excited at the journey God might have ahead of us here? How many? Amen. All right, let's just pray. Jesus, Jesus, we are just, we are excited. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you've given us your spirit. We thank you that to follow you is an adventure that that overlaps with the supernatural and with the eternal and it will transform us into different people than we are even today. And we just tell you we we do want to follow you. and We ask for your help, Lord. Each one of us has a cranky flesh. No one here has a a righteous flesh. No one's flesh is going to make it to heaven. Help us deny ourselves, our flesh, our rights. Help us to take up a cross daily, Jesus, and, and, and proclaim the good news. You did all the hard work on the cross, on your cross. You took our sins to your cross. All you've called us to do is to proclaim that to people, proactively initiating with love and compassion. Help us to take up our cross. And Lord, help us to be, follow you, to be led by your spirit, not by the world's voice or our own selfish voice or the devil's voice. Help us to follow you, Jesus, and hear your voice and be led by your spirit. And we're excited to be your disciples today and help us to do. just wake up and and seek you for that every day. We we just thank you for the plans you have for us, Lord. And we just, again, ask that you would give us grace to live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. Thanks for coming this morning. And uh, we'll go open up those Bibles back there if you want one.